We're going to wrap up our new wine series today. Next week, we, could, we begin our Christmas program. So next week, y'all don't want to miss it. We begin our first Christmas service will be next week. I'll be delivering my Christmas message. The reason I'm doing it next week and not the 24th, the 24th, I do a five-minute snippet because we have an entire production. But next week, I'll be delivering our Christmas message. You don't want to miss our Christmas celebration beginning next Sunday. And on Wednesday, little announcement, I usually don't do this before I preach, but this Wednesday, matter of fact, all the men in the house, all the, that, let's put <laughs> holy testosterone. <laughs> all the men, stand up. Yo, give it up. That is awesome. In this church, we celebrate biblical masculinity. We believe that men are necessary in society. I've served on the board of promise keepers for years. I've been a preacher since they were back in the stadiums and all that. I had long hair. It was my hippie days back in the day. And, but I'm still on the board. And a stat just came out, a great research stat, that families, if men, God bless all the women, all the moms who have been the spiritual leaders in their homes, but I'm going to give you the stats. Stats don't lie. When a dad is in the home and he loves Jesus and he lives a life of integrity in the house and outside the house, that family is 83% certain to be free from addiction and poverty and a bunch of social ills. That do- this is not part of the script, but I declare we're about to see an army of righteous, holy, anointed men rise up in the region. We're going to flip communities upside down. Why am I saying all of this? Because I want to meet with all the men on Wednesday. In this auditorium, we want to pack it out with just the men of this campus, just the Sacramento campus. Meet me here on Wednesday, 7 o'clock, this Wednesday, only men. And we're going to, I'm going to release a message. We're going to anoint every single man and just catapult you into 2024. We're going to have straight talk, but we're going to see Gideon's army rise up in Jesus' name. It's going to happen. John chapter 2. We're going to wrap up our Fresh Oil, Holy Fire, New Wine series right here. It started the first week of September, and it ends right here. If you want to listen to previous episodes and sermons, go to our podcast, Pop Bean, Spotify, iTunes, and so forth. Go to our app and our website. Here it is. The title of the message is Water into Wine, and the subtext is Stop Asking, Mary Knew. That's the subtext. You'll understand it in a second. John chapter 2. The next day, there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. The mother of Jesus was there. And Jesus and his disciples were likewise invited to the celebration. You need to underline that part. They received an invitation. Have you invited Jesus? The wine supply ran out during the festivities. Mother of Jesus told them they have no more wine. And this is the reply. This is Jesus. His mom says, Jesus, there's no more wine in the wedding. And this is the way Jesus responded. Dear woman, that's not our problem. Wow. How about that, Jesus? And Jesus said, my time has not yet come. But his mother But his mother, the mother of Jesus, but his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Another way to phrase that is, get ready, he's about to do something. 
Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, the same Jesus who said, it's not my time. Don't rush me, woman. Watch what he does in verse 7. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars of water. Now, he just been saying it's not my time. He just told his mom, don't rush me. Don't be rushing me. Not my time yet to do miracles. And then he ends up doing the what? Hmm. He said, now dip some out. They filled it up with water and, it, and take it to the master of ceremonies. So they filled it up with water, took it to the master, and the master of ceremonies tasted the water. That was now wine. Not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. A host will always serve the best wine first. When everyone has a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you have kept the best for last. Let me give you some lessons here. Lesson number one, repeat after me. Lesson number one, marriages require miracles. If you're married, say amen. amen. If you're married, say amen like you're happy to be married. Amen. If you have to fake it, say amen, amen. <laughs> that just happened. The first recorded miracle in the ministry of Jesus was the conversion of water into wine. Where did it take place? It wasn't a bar mitzvah, a graduation ceremony, or a sweet 16. The first recorded miracle brought forth by the Messiah, the Savior of the world, took place at a wedding, a marriage ceremony. Why? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I would argue to a great degree, every marriage requires miracles. It requires a miracle to unite two individuals for the purpose of becoming one. It requires a miracle to prevent these two individuals from killing one another. <sighs> if you know what I'm talking about, raise your hand. If you have a testimony, raise both hands. If you served five years, raise both hands in a fight. <laughs> it requires a miracle for two individuals to come in agreement for the purpose of sacrificing certain personal ambitions in order to accomplish a collective God-ordained goal. One faith, one family, one multi-generational Christ-purchased future. In other words, a healthy marriage requires a holy God. If you're married, you know what I'm talking about. If you used to be married, you know what I'm talking about. And if you want to get married, learn what I'm talking about. <clears throat> Ephesians 5:28. Husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Husband, you love your wife like you love your own body. So I don't want to see, I don't want to hear any woman in this church ever getting upset about their husband being a little bit big. <laughs> Honey, why are you so big? Because I love you that much. The Bible says... Husbands and wives should work hard to love one another, selflessly putting their spouses above themselves. I love that. Mark 10, 9, what God has joined together, let no man separate. So permit me to interject and declare that if your marriage is struggling, the same Jesus that saved your soul can save your marriage. 
The same Jesus that healed your body can heal your marriage. The same Jesus that set you free, mind, body, soul, and spirit, can set your marriage free from constant fighting, discord, trauma, and drama. But can I declare in 2024, in Jesus' name, if you're married, raise one hand. If you want to get married, raise one hand. If you're desperate to get married, raise both hands. (laughs) This is real simple. All those people, look at the other people that raise their hands. And that solves that on a Sunday afternoon. I declare by faith that by 2024, no joke, it will be the greatest year for your family and your marriage and your relationships. Come on, how many believe that? Can I go a little bit into that right now? I declare whatever the devil tried to mess up and destroy, God is turning it around and you're about to experience joy and peace and glory like you've never experienced before. Your relationships will be healthy and they will be holy. Because your marriage and your family are covered by the blood of Jesus and filled with the Spirit of Christ. And that's what gives you the legitimacy to declare Acts 16, 31. Believe in the Lord Jesus, my entire family will be saved. And Joshua 24, 15, one of our favorite verses here, we do it all the time. As for me and we shall serve Come on, if you believe 2024 will be the best year for your family, give them the best 2024 praise already. Lesson number two, your provision is directly proportional to who is present in your life. Your provision is directly proportional to who is present in your life. Jesus was invited to the wedding. They ran out of wine, but Jesus was already there. Because he was already there what they ran out of was replenished. Oh, yeah, yeah, go get this in a second. What they ran out of was restored. What they lacked, God provided, all because he was already there. Uh, y- y- he was invited. He was present. Jesus was present before they ran out of wine. I'm going to repeat that. He was present before they ran out of wine. I'm going to repeat that five more times so you get it. He was there before they ran out of wine. He was there before they ran out of wine. He was there before they ran out of wine. He was there before they ran out of wine. He was there before they ran out of wine. Stop asking Jesus to show up after your wine runs out. Stop asking God to show up after things go wrong. Stop asking God to show up after things go south. If you invite Jesus from the get-go to be part of your family, your health, your finances, your career, your children, if you ask Jesus, be the Lord, I'm inviting you to be the everything of my life. When things run out, you won't need to worry because it's in his character. It's in his nature. It's in his purpose. In his anointing, he will always replenish everything that runs out. Stop inviting Jesus post facto. Stop inviting Christ to show up after the fact. Stop inviting God into areas of your life only when you experience a crisis, when you experience pain or discomfort. You will never have to invite Jesus to fix or restore what he already occupies. 
There's no need to invite Jesus to fix it, heal it, or restore it when he's already present. Because in his, in his nature, his character, his anointing, and his purpose, he is the savior. He is the deliverer. He is the healer. He is the Jireh of Jehovah Jireh. He is the Rapha of Jehovah Rapha. He is the Shekendu, the Mekadish, the Shalom, and the Shiloh. He is the Elohim, the Ebenezer, the El Bethel, the El. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the author and the consumer. The, he is everything that you need to provide for everything that you lack. When he is present, everything changes. When God is present, there is freedom. 2 Corinthians 3.17. When God is present in your life, there is fullness of joy. The Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. And he will rejoice over you with joyful songs. Zephaniah 3.17. When God is present, he provides. He provides. If you've read Psalm 23 at least one time in your life, raise one hand. If you know it, like one of the chapters that you actually know, raise both hands. At least one verse. You all know the first one. The Lord is my, I shall not. What if I tell you that 2023 is actually a year undergirded with Psalm 23? 2023, this is about provision. Your provision is directly proportional to what's present. 2023 was the year of Psalm 23. 2023 is the year of Psalm 23. It's arguably the chapter of divine provision. You know it. Let's do it real quick here. The Lord is my shepherd. I, I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me besides peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my haters. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blood. Can I go back to that part? You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my hate. Can I, re can I repeat that? Maybe somebody needs to hear that. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies in the presence of everything that came against me you prepare a banquet for me in the presence of everything that came against me you honor me by anointing my head with oil my cup overflows with blessings surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life and i will live in the house of the lord forever in 2023 he because he is present and the year's not over somebody say the year's not over I have crazy faith to believe that before the year is over, you will see the fulfillment of your greatest promise. In 2023, he provided and continues to provide. When God is present, I'm giving you the promises from 2023, from Psalm 23. When God is present, he provides rest. If he gave you rest this year, at least for one moment, we're in the middle of the storm. You rested in his promises. Say amen. When God is present, he provides new strength. If, you, if you're a witness, say amen. When God is present, he provides guidance. When God is present, he provides protection and comfort. Provides protection and comfort. Provides protection and comfort. You have no idea how many times he saved you on 99 and Route 5. You have no idea. You have no idea what he saved you from this year. Pastor Sam, but I went through stuff, but you have no idea what he protected you from. There were things that... 
When he is present, he provides victory in the presence of your enemies. When God is present, he provides a new anointing. When God is present, he provides overflow blessings. And when God is present, goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your All the days of your All the days of your life. So your, your provision is directly proportional to who is present. Stop inviting him after the fact. If you're single here, raise your hand. Notice the relational dynamic of today's message. And it's deliberate. Before you start dating, before you swap the M and do away with the swipe, ask God. Don't start dating someone and then ask God if it's his will. No, you don't, you don't buy the car, take it out of the dealership, and then find out if you could afford it. <sighs> you invite God, the career choice you're making, decisions that you're making in your family, don't ask God post facto. Invite Jesus first, and every single one of your needs will be met by him. Here's the final lesson. Final lesson. Lesson three. Mary knew, be like Mary. That's it, the last lesson. The wine supply ran out during the festivities. The mother of Jesus told them they have no more wine. Dear woman, that's his response. Dear woman, that's not my problem. It's not even our problem. Dear woman, when Pastor Ava is asking me things and I feel a little bit flustered. I know how to respond now. Dear woman. No, I'm saying, you know, in a good context, I mean, dear woman. That's a lot better than anything else. It's dear woman. Every man here, if you're married, when your wife, when your wife, when you're watching a football game and your wife doesn't understand what's going on and she interrupts it, just say, And if your, wife, if your wife says, how dare you speak to me that way? You go, no, no, Jesus did it. <laughs> Jesus did it. It's dear woman. When I first read this, the first thought that went through my mind is, fire the wedding planner. Because when you're at a wedding and you run out of food or drink, someone did not do their job right. My, woman, my time hasn't come yet. Let me land with this. Watch this. Jesus says, did this really happen? They ran out of what? They ran out of wine. Mary comes over. They're invited. Invited. Uh, Jesus, look, they ran out of wine. Dear woman, don't rush me. Don't, don't, just don't, my time hasn't come yet. Don't rush me. I'm going to put this in context, what he's saying here. The moment I start, to, woman, listen, you need to understand that don't, don't hurry me because it's not my time yet. I, the moment I start to reveal myself as the Messiah, the Son of Man, the Son of God, the way, the truth, and the life, the resurrection, and the life, the living water, the great I am, the Word made flesh, the moment I let them know who I am, by doing a miracle, there is no going back. In other words, don't rush me. Don't, don't, it's not my time yet. Watch this. This is, this is, this will mess up your theology. It's not my time yet, woman. It's not my time yet, woman. It's not my time. This is what Mary does. Tell me, tell me, tell me, Jesus. It's not my time. Uh-huh. It's not my time. Okay, really? It's not my time. Get it out of your chest. Tell me what you really feel. 
It's not my time. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. All right, guys, get ready. It's his time. Like, who does that? He, he just finished saying, it's not my time. And she comes along and says, y'all need to get ready. He's about to do something. But didn't she hear him? Was she being disrespectful to the Messiah? No. She what? She knew. So when you hear the Christmas song, Mary, did you know? On the radio goes, she knew. She did. Because when Gabriel revealed himself to her and told her, she knew. When the Holy Spirit planted Jesus as a seed, conceived by the Holy Spirit, she never slept with a man until they conceived. She knew. So she knew. It may not look like the right time, but the moment Jesus is present, it automatically becomes the right time. The nature, the character, the purpose, and the anointing of Jesus. Jesus cannot show up and do nothing. You missed it. There's never been a moment in all of human history where the presence of Almighty God is there and nothing happens. Automatically, by its very nature, just like fire has to burn, wherever the presence of Jesus is present, something has to happen. If God is in a place, every devil has to run out. If God is in a place, addiction has to shrivel up. If God is in a place, alcoholism needs to just stop right there. When God is present, something has to happen. It's not about religion. It's not about man's ideas. When the presence of Jesus is in a place, something has to happen. The presence of Jesus makes it a Kairos moment. The presence of Jesus makes it the right time. Isaiah 60, 22. At the right time, I, the Lord, will make it happen. When Jesus shows up, it's the right time for salvation. When Jesus shows up, it's the right time for deliverance. When Jesus shows up, it's the right time for healings, miracles, and breakthroughs. When Jesus shows up, it has to be the right time. Mary, according to the passage, ignores what Jesus says, looks at the people around her and says, y'all need to get ready. He's about to do his thing. Why? Because Mary knew his nature. Mary knew his character. Mary knew his calling. Mary knew. <laughs> Mary had the Mary faith. <laughs> she didn't, it's not about what Mary felt. If Mary would be led by her feelings, she, she may say, I don't want to offend my son, who is the son of man and the son of God. I definitely don't want to offend you. So let me base it on my feelings. She could have been based on her opinion. But no, it's about what she knew. It's about what she knew. I'm preaching to somebody right here right now. In 2024, you will no longer be directed by your feelings primarily or by your opinions. The only thing that will guide you. Matter of fact, I declare we're about to see people like Mary rise up in this church. That, that even when the world says, even when life says, even when your mind says, this may not be the right time. You say, yeah, but when God shows up it becomes the right time it automatically does anybody here know that your entire family will be saved oh y'all didn't hear me I didn't ask you if you feel I, I didn't even ask you if you're hoping for it how many know that your entire family will be saved how many know that your body will be healed how many know that you and your house will go from glory to glory if you know that you know that you know that you know that great 
Up your right hand. Are you stepping into 2024 with knowledge? Not what you hope or feel or think. How many are stepping into next year knowing that all of God's promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus? If you're stepping in knowing like Mary, lift up one hand. I mean, knowledge, she's, she's, she's crazy faith. Get, get ready. Y'all need to get ready. God's about to do something. Get ready. Jesus is about to do something. I need you to text the people that you love in your family and tell them, get ready. God's about to do something. And if they thank you, if they ask you, are you hoping? Are you thinking? Are you feeling? Are you, you're saying, no, 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 no. I know. I know. Because I know his character. I know his person. I know his purpose. I know his anointing with your hands raised. Let me land this right there. We're done. We know John 1. That in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh. That Word dwelt among men. That Word is Jesus. He doesn't need a Word. He is the Word. We know John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. He did not come to condemn the world, to judge the world. He came to save the world. We know John 7, 38, that out of our bellies shall flow rivers of we know John 10.10 10, that yes, the enemy did come to rob, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came to give us life. and life. We know John 14, 12 to 14, whatsoever you ask in the name of Jesus, that he shall do for the Father to be glorified in the Son, even greater things. And we know John 15.7. If you know it, stand with me. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be what? She knew. Mary, did you know? She knew. She knew. Woman, it's not my time yet. Look, can you, Mary's face. I would love to have seen that for a movie production. It's not my time yet, woman. I could have seen her face like this. All right, guys, get ready. Look, that, that's exactly what she did. Not my time yet, woman. And she comes to go and goes like, sometimes you just got to let them talk. Sometimes you just got to give people their room. Let them get off their chest. Not my time yet, woman. And, and, and she... He's the Messiah. He, he has no other choice because of his nature to supply the needs of his people. Whether it was the time or not, it's the time now. Because the need of his children will always make it the time. And when you place a demand on the anointing, it has nothing to do with what's convenient. Don't step into next year. Led primarily, your feelings are, neither am I going to be the kind of pastor that says, the feelings are bad, stop it, it's part of who we are. Our emotional reality and domain is part, our affective domain is part of who we are, but we can't be led by feelings. 
because our feelings will betray us. We can't negate our opinions, but we can't be led by our opinions. We must be led by what we know. And what I know is that my Redeemer liveth. I know that my Redeemer liveth. Lift up your hands. Heavenly Father, today I speak to every single person here that is fully cognizant of the fact, not that they hope or feel or aspire, but that they know that they are about to enter a season of glory in your presence with the finished work of Christ where they will become more like Jesus. Everyone here knows that their families will be saved, Acts 16, 31. That their bodies will be healed, 1 Peter 2, 24. That they will go from glory to glory, 2 Corinthians 3, 18. Everyone here knows that the devil has already been defeated and that we are covered by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus. Colossians 2, 15, Revelation 12, 11. We declare that. Be still and know that God is God, Psalm 46, 10. If you receive these three lessons, whether where you're married or not, or one day you will be married, but you receive all the three lessons, lift up one hand. If you have invited Jesus to every area of your life, not when something bad takes place, but you invite him now forevermore to be the Lord of your life, that if you ever lack anything, he automatically supplies it, raise both hands. Philippians 4.19, according to his riches, which are in glory. And if you are stepping into 2024, like Mary, not hoping, aspiring, feeling, but knowing that he will change water into wine, trauma into testimony, drama into destiny, sorrow into joy, sinners into saints, and in the name of Jesus, he's going to change every bit of pain into praise. If you believe all of that, give him the final clap offering and a final shout offering here. And the matter of fact, give him the biggest praise you've given him in 2023. Can you high five one neighbor and tell him, I know. Tell your other neighbor, I know. Tell him, I don't think, I don't hope, I don't feel. I know. I know. I know that all of God's promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Everybody stand with me. You're already standing. I have to, look, I'm letting you go out early, football games, all that good stuff. So much anointing and fun. All right. Look up here for a second. Why? Has anyone ever asked why his first miracle would be that? If I were Jesus, I'm thinking I'm going to begin my ministry with a bang. Um, let's do Lazarus. Somebody's dead for four days. Lazarus, come forth, right? Like you'll go viral day one. But instead he chooses what? You ever ask why? Like why that? Why not the, like, not that, that I'm not diminishing the importance of that, but why not like, like, an, like the eyes, right? You're blind, bam. Here's a leg, boom. The paralytic, yeah. But he chooses changing It's all planned out, guys. The first miracle that Moses in the book of Exodus engaged in for the purpose of freeing God's Hebrew children from Egyptian captivity was changing water into blood. You missed it. 
This is Jesus, the greater version of Moses, according to Moses himself, who in Deuteronomy said, a greater version of me is coming. Jesus shows up, the greater version, the way greater, the perfect greater version. He shows up to free us from the Egyptian captivity of sin. And he frees us by doing what? Doing the very, I'm going to change water, but not into blood. The only blood you're going to have an encounter with is the blood I'm going to pour out on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins. And final thing, the first miracle is, it's in a wedding, right? What do you think will be the last thing we're going to do? I'm going to drop the mic and walk away. It begins with a wedding, and the Bible says in Revelation, we're all going to celebrate at a what? The marriage supper of the Lamb. Everyone here who is born again, who accepted Jesus, will be there. We're all going to celebrate. He began at a wedding, and it's going to finish at a wedding. And that's the way Jesus does his thing. And now you know. Join hands with your neighbors.